We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking best ball win rates on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis the Patrick. We are two of the owners here at Rotoviz. Henry the Cat really yes. wanted in on the action tonight. <laughs> so he's making his presence known. Oh, yeah. I think that means it's going to be a great show. We're talking some best ball. Curtis has an FFPC stat attack for us. I had the day off from work, which was very nice. How are you doing, Curtis? Oh, boy. Yeah, uh, all kinds of goodness, man. Starting off the week with a uh, Henry the Cat uh, appearance on the live stream is great. I will have to get Max uh, Maximus the Cat <laughs> on later this week. Our, our new kitten from over the holidays. Oh, nice. Uh, do, uh, doing great. Um, I did get uh, going back to last week's shows. I did get into some of the furniture assembly <laughs> um, from, from the the fateful trip uh, that I took with my wife the day after Thanksgiving. A day after Thanksgiving, day after Valentine's Day, you can see how brain dead I already am. Yep. Um, I do have a uh, larceny bourbon tonight because we're going to be talking about best ball win rates, Dave, and some of the biggest steals from 2021 and biggest bargains that we think we know about in yep. 2022. Uh, but before we do that, let me pull up a quick share that I think will be interesting for everybody. And this is our. FFPC stat attack for tonight. And it's about Drake London. Drake London, uh, one of our highest rated rookies from the 2022 class, one of our highest rated wide receivers. I was doing a little bit of work with him in the prospect box score scout uh, after reading Todd McShay's latest mock draft. And he actually, uh, he was projecting Drake London at the 108 in the upcoming NFL draft. So top 10 draft capital uh, for the USC star. I wanted to see what that would do to his Sims. Cause that's a little higher than what I yep. projected in the rookie guide. I think I had projected him around pick 20. Well, you give him a top eight draft slot. It's really interesting. It's still a mixed bag in terms of um, the, the outcomes. You do see a lot. Every name on here is, is highly recognizable for anyone who's been playing fantasy for any amount of time. Uh, we see Sammy Watkins, OBJ, AJ green, CD lamb, Corey Coleman, Nelson Aguilar, Amari Cooper, Julio Jones, Brashad, Perriman, and Mike Williams. Uh, so you get, you know, a very high end range of outcomes uh, and, you know, some lower range outcomes there as well as to be expected. 
But what's really cool, and this is the specific FFPC stat attack, only 50 players in NFL history have amassed 10,000 plus career receiving yards, Dave, and two of them pop in Drake's top sims wow. if he goes in the top 10. That is crazy, man. So, so to, to pull any player and get a return of AJ Green and Julio Jones for the same player, uh, that's pretty amazing. So uh, have to like what that would mean for, for London moving forward. And of course, you can draft Drake London in FFPC leagues, whether it be their never too early best ball tournament, which I'm four drafts deep in now, Dave, and we're going to talk a little bit about those exposures over the course of the week, or whether you want to join a dynasty startup. Later this month, we'll be opening our 2022 Rotoviz Triflex Dynasty Leagues over on myffpc.com. So make sure you check out everything that they have to offer in the way of high stakes fantasy football. All right, sir. Um, impressive stuff there on Drake London, a player we're definitely be coming back to. But today, we are going to get into some best ball win rates. So the tool that we're using to help us walk through this process here is the best ball win rates tool. We have a variety of best ball tools that we're starting to update. Those are coming back online if they were taken off, um, you know, if they're more off season tools. The one that we're looking at in specific is zooming in on 2021, showing you for each player their particular win percentage. So the percentage of teams that had this player, what percentage of those teams won. You can then also look in, which is really cool on a week-to-week basis and kind of follow them along the season to see how they did, which is really neat. We're going to be focusing on the top 100 players. Um, the first thing that I'm just going to do is read off the the top 12. Uh, so you had, with the highest win rate, Cooper Cup. He was followed by Mark Andrews, Debo Samuel, Austin Eckler, Jonathan Taylor, James Connor, Mike Williams, which might be one of the bigger surprises wow. to see, Dalton yeah. Schultz, yeah. Jamar Chase, Rob Gronkowski, Almond Ross St. Brown, Hunter Renfro, Najee Harris. And I'm just going to read off one more name because it's really interesting Kendrick yeah. Payne. Um, So those were the top 100. Before we go through some of the other things I wanted to talk about, any reaction to that list, Curtis? Um, It's a list that I had a lot of exposure to last year, uh, Dave, which feels great. Um, As evidenced by some of the high-end outcomes from the rest of the road of his team. I mean, just as a reminder, if you're you're new to the live stream or, you know, tuned out uh, from, you know, fantasy football news over the course of the last six weeks or so, our team... (laughs) had <laughs> some pretty incredible finishes. Uh, we took first and second in the FFPC best ball tournament uh, for hundred grand, um, And then we also took 25th out of over 125,000 entries in underdog best ball mania too. Um, and so, you know, these players w- were all over our portfolio. Cooper Cup uh, was my single biggest exposure last season. Mark Andrews was a top five exposure last season. Uh, plenty of exposure to Dalton Schultz. James Conner was in uh, Sean Siegel's zero RB candidates series last year. Hunter Renfro was a, a guy that we were throwing late darts at, Dave. So it's just cool to see you know, it play out. It, it really ran pure for us this year. Um, and what's really cool is you see guys all over the board in yep. terms of where they were drafted. But the concentration of these high win rate guys really is outside the first couple of rounds of the draft. And 
you know, the observations are, you know, the consensus 101, Christian McCaffrey, who in I think the previous year had something like a 30% win rate. Uh, he didn't play. Yep. You know, I mean, this wasn't available. Um, Derek Henry just wasn't available. And so you get this huge gap of of win rate from presumed, you know, studs in the first round. And it gets filled in by the players uh, who then, you know, find dominance, you know, a, another path to dominance different ways. James Conner in Arizona gets all of those touchdowns that Kenyon Drake, a 2020 win rate star, uh, had scored. Uh, Mark Andrews, because of the, the craziness that occurred in Baltimore uh, this year with Rashad Bateman not being available to the team uh, until midway through the year, uh, and the injuries at quarterback really just became the, the whole focal point of the offense, the injuries at running back as well. Debo Samuel uh, was a mid-round pick, Cooper Cup a mid-round pick, but they became you know the, the bona fide stars for their teams. You only had a couple players from the top of drafts who really return that value. It's Austin Eckler and Jonathan Taylor here in the middle. We can look at Eckler's um, win rate. And this is what's really cool about this tool. Literally just click on any name uh, in the list of the return. And then it gives you their win rate by week. So, you know, Austin Eckler drafters, the first three weeks of the season weren't feeling so hot, but then you, you get a few of those boom weeks and then it's just yep. so hard yep. to, to fall back off Dave. Right. So a couple of observations here, uh, but I'm going to start off with the ability to just click on a player and track their win rate across the season. Because what I want to remind everybody to do, and I'm going to remind this yeah. as we actually get closer to next season, when you've yeah. reached like week three, week four in the season, and some of your favorite guys have yet to really pop, just take a step into this tool. <laughs> look at the way that things develop over yeah. the course of the season yeah. before you write anybody off yeah. prematurely. But the other thing that I wanted to make note of here, as we look through this list, and you're looking at the ADP of the top 100, as you mentioned, only a couple of guys that were in the first round. A lot of these guys are concentrated between an ADP of like 50 to 100. And I think that this is noteworthy because it reminds us that it's easy when you're preparing for drafts to focus on maybe your first couple of picks and then think about who your targets are to fill in your team in the end. But there's really a lot to be said about determining who your targets are going to be yeah. in those middle rounds. And I think that if you're first getting into best ball, you have to think about how you build out your exposures in rounds five through 10, because that's not always something that you're focused on. And I think a lot of people, when they first start playing, just kind of take it as it comes. So they're looking at how they might have built out their team in the beginning, seeing how they can fill it in going from there on out. But if you're going to try to high volume, you have to be a little bit more discerning in how you fill out that area. Now, last year, we identified some players that would have helped build that out in a way that worked. Yep. Uh, but I also want to now, Curtis, if you could hop, hop back to the the Google sheet and just talk about how ADP actually did in predict, like in correlating with fantasy points. This was one thing I was looking at because I was pretty... I think a lot of people would be surprised to see how well ADP actually did in 2021 in getting us to a pretty solid list. So if you scroll down on that list uh, towards the bottom of it, I have a scatter plot that's laying out um, ADP oh, yeah. and then points scored. And you can see that the R squared here, the correlation is 0 0.57, which means about 57% of the variance between points scored is being explained by ADP. So drafters 
in FFPC leagues did pretty well last year mm. in approximating um, points scored. Now, this is something that we see ADP actually has been fairly efficient now for some years running, continues to improve as drafters get smarter and smarter. Um, so I think this is something to keep in mind, um, especially if you're somebody that's getting into best ball, right? For the first time, you can use ADP as a guide, then kind of build out your plan of attack, build your exposures from there. The other thing that I wanted to look at before we get back into specific players, if you keep going down, we just have a count here of the number of players that finished in the top 100 from each position. So wide receivers lead that count. Um, with 32, so 32%, pretty easy there, seeing as we're looking at the top 100. Oh, that's math I can understand, Dave. Yes. I appreciate that. <laughs> 14 tight ends, 24 running backs, 8 quarterbacks, actually 11 defenses, and 11 place kickers. Now, some of that could be randomness, um, but what I want to focus on here actually is the 14% of the tight ends and then maybe look at some of who those tight ends were um, because I think it's noteworthy. Um, especially in FFPC leagues where you can get that bonus for the tight ends. It's one of the reasons we see Mark Andrews scoring so highly. Um, so if we look at who comprises that list on tight ends, let's just look at where some of those ADPs came from. Now you have Mark Andrews with an ADP of around 41, but the guys behind him, Dalton Schultz, oh, Rob yeah. Gronkowski, Dawson Knox, Tyler Conklin were yeah. all Pretty high. You had Gronk at 135. Everybody else was in those 200s. So though I talked earlier about a lot of those players in that like five through 10 section being important, what we did see last year was tight end was a position you could attack late that actually made a pretty substantial difference. It's nice to see my boy Dawson Knox on that list. Tyler Conklin was a player that we talked about uh, like right around when the season was going to start as a guy that you could target. And it's interesting to see Dalton Schultz in there. Um, so I'm just going to pause right there, Curtis, see if you have any more reaction before I share some of the thoughts that I had. Uh, I do want to answer this question, um, which I, which I think makes sense to get into earlier uh, in, in the pod here. Um, this is from Jose uh, in the comments. He says, this may sound silly, but does your best ball coverage at Rotovis also work in other leagues? Uh, best ball tens, uh, play FFWC, underdog, et cetera. That's a great question, Jose. So I'll answer it uh, a couple different ways. So our, our coverage in terms of roster construction, in terms of player targets, player targets especially, that would yeah. be transferable you know, really to, to any format. But then when you start getting into roster construction, which is a big way that we win, and best ball at Rotoviz, that's going to be a little bit more format specific. And then our tools also uh, do help to adjust for that. So we're looking at the best ball tracking here for FFPC. You can see on the page here, I can actually highlight FFPC or fan ball, uh, best ball tens. Uh, and what's really exciting, this hasn't been broadcast widely, but I guess I'll, I'll, break, the, I'll break the dam here. Um, we will have underdog uh, data uh, for 2022. You'll be able to track ADP and you know this will work for our tools moving forward. And we'll also be able to build some player win rate data for underdog contests looking in arrears. And it's really important, Jose, if you're newer to best ball, to understand the scoring nuance and the lineup nuance, because that that's everything. Like if we're talking FFPC, that's a tight end premium format, all the way over to underdog, which is half PPR with no tight end premium, it's very it can be very, very different. And while tight ends can still be you know, very important in terms of 
winning your league, the importance of the elites over on underdog, uh, presumably is, is even more important because you can't find these guys that are just going to get 90 targets and then score like a wide receiver too, because you're not getting that 50% bonus on every reception, uh, like you do on FFPC. But Sean Siegel is in the midst of doing his, uh, pre best ball workshop series right now. All of his never too early best ball tiers are on the site. So if you got a sub Jose, go to rotaviz.com. You can see that right on the front page. He's released his quarterback tiers and his tight end tiers. We'll get to the uh, running backs and wide receivers later this week. And I'm also working on some of my late round targets using some of our advanced stats. So I'm going to be releasing a wide receiver article in the next day or two, uh, followed by running backs later this week and, and, and quarterbacks and tight ends next week. So it all works together in a complimentary fashion. And last thing I'll say there is we actually have a best ball specific podcast that's launching for this year. So Calm Kelly uh, at Overtime Ireland and our boy, uh, Zach Kruger, Zachary Kruger, they are going to be doing the best, best ball podcast, which is a great name. Uh, that's going to be dropping weekly. They'll be tracking ADP and, um, you know, teaching people how to, to use the power of, of our tools at rotaviz.com, uh, to, to be a winning player in best ball, uh, this season. So Dave, why don't you get back to your thoughts about tight end? Right. Well, so my final takeaway there was with tight end that does look like a position and this shouldn't be surprising because we've talked about this a lot the way that scoring tends to accumulate with tight ends kind of dropped into a pretty tight band seems like a position that you can kind of wait on as we've talked about if you don't go for that bully tight end um, you know taking a Mark Andrews a Travis Kelsey you're normally okay in best ball piecing together a group of players later on in the draft now if we contrast that with quarterback and again this is something we talked about in season, it did hold out that it was a position that was harder to wait on, believe it or not, in comparison to what you might have expected given redraft leagues. With quarterback, a lot of the teams that were winning drafted, and we saw this anecdotally, Curtis, in the like finals that we were in on yeah. underdogs specifically, yeah. a lot of these teams had quarterbacks that would go early. The ADPs here, right, 68, 85, 96, 122, 77, 41, 87, 30. Those are some of the highest win percentage quarterbacks. So really, you have to get in on that position pretty early. The data is showing that. I could tell you from the teams that I drafted yeah. this year where I tried to go with the strategy of waiting and kind of scraping that bottom of that barrel. Those teams just did not tend to do as well as the teams where I invested in that position early. So that's one finding that tended to hold when you actually look into the data. And then I guess the other thing that I would say here kind of as you were talking about actually going back and thinking about the league that you're in and building out your approach for that specific league is in general um, and what we see across the tools, you're going to want to make sure that you're not too heavily concentrated in running back, that you're not taking more running back than wide receiver, which should make sense for some reasons. Um, but what I did find was my teams where I had maybe eight to like eight or nine wide receivers to four or five running backs worked yeah. out pretty well. Um, and the data is kind of supporting that when you look into the tools, just even at something high level as players in the top 100, which obviously is kind of a myopic way of looking at it, but we can dig into that a little bit more later. It looks like you have a thought though, Curtis. Yeah, I do uh, on quarterback. So yes, we saw it was basically the elites plus Kirk cousins uh, that offered a double digit, 
win percentage in 2021, but it's a dynamic relationship. Yep. And so the thing that happens is it's not necessarily only that those quarterbacks performed so well. Yep. That leads them to have such an effective win percentage. It's that those drafters also, from a roster construction perspective, I, I think if we were to dive into the RCE, the roster construction yes. explorer tool, we would find that teams who drafted an elite quarterback and only drafted two of them. And this has been part of our, our study. Uh, I wrote of his last several years and, and it comes up in our analysis every year, like mid draft season just seems like it's the way to go again. You are getting an extra player at another position. So maybe it's that tight end three who's popping with the late ADP instead right. of taking a Jared Goff at the end of a draft. I'm taking a dart throw tight end that, you know, Dalton Schultz is all of a sudden on my team. Or I'm taking a a very late wide receiver like Kendrick Bourne, and he becomes a wide receiver too for his team, and he gives me five startable weeks. That's much more valuable than, you know, a point and a half a game over the course of a season to get that extra spike, true spike week out of a peripheral player. And so it's it's not just as simple as saying like, draft Justin Herbert again because you'll get a 13% win rate in 2021, it's that the, the idea of drafting a pair of elite quarterbacks then puts you into a different type of roster construction. And you also have to get those quarterbacks correct. The other thing is all of those teams that had those players also had a second quarterback at minimum yep. and, and potentially a third. And so what does the mix of those quarterbacks look like together? And so the the, the player win rate tool is certainly... Uh, it's a, it's a reference tool, not necessarily a referendum on how you must draft. Uh, number one, and then number two, I think that the most valuable uh, the most valuable insights do come from looking at that top twelve, top twenty list of returned players and realizing so many of those players aren't from the tops of your draft. Yes, it's easier to win your draft late. It's easier to lose your draft early by bad injury luck or by drafting the wrong position early, early in the draft. And we'll get into that. In long form on the podcast and also in long form on the site, uh, even in our premium email. But I think this is a, it's a great note, Dave, uh, for you to bring this up. And it's also a great reminder to everyone that these tools, uh, we're bringing them on. So we're thankful to um, our, our, hidden, uh, our hidden magician behind the scenes, Anthony, uh, for getting all of this ready for us to talk about uh, getting these tools updated with 21, uh, 2021 data. But Dave, I thought if you're okay with it, we could go position by position. Yeah. Talk about maybe an early guy that we're on, maybe a, a mid, a mid single digit round guy, and then maybe a, a double digit round dart throw that we're on early. Uh, I've been doing a lot of drafting. I'm 35 drafts deep now already this season. I know uh, that your, your uh, wheels are, are churning too on this. So I, I want to make sure that we provide, you know, a little bit of analysis on a, on a look yep. forward here, if that's okay. So we'll yeah, transition. Into some 2022 best ball values. Um, I want to pull up my exposure here. I, I'm playing at large the. Um, I'm playing on underdog the big board, yep. uh, which is a, a a big time tournament early in the season. Rookies are included, and I'm also playing the never too early uh, best ball tournament on at uh, myffpc.com. Uh, the the majority of my drafting has been on underdog their tournament. Uh, is a little bit cheaper. It's easy for me to consider max entering that. Uh, and if I look across the positions, Dave, we'll just start with quarterback. Um, Trevor Lawrence, I'm 35% exposed there. And, you know, 
he he would be a player that would fit the the mobile. Um, he would fit the mobile mold. Um, he's getting an upgrade at coach. We know that Doug Peterson has led you know many quarterbacks to be a very fantasy relevant. It's gonna be a quarterback friendly system, totally quarterback friendly. Uh, coaching staff. Jim Bob Cooter actually joins the the Jacksonville Jaguar staff. He led Matthew Stafford to a resurgence in the middle of his career in Detroit, famously. Um, and so I find myself amassing some Trevor Lawrence for very, very cheap, uh, kind of middling QB2 uh, value there. And then um, I think another just every year type of target that it's hard to stay away from. And we saw him in the top six or uh, top four rather of uh, our win rate explorer tool in the exercise earlier was Kirk Cousins. He just never increases in price and he should have a much more passing game friendly system. Kevin O'Connell comes over from the LA Rams. Uh, and I mean, you know, I, I guess there's some rumors that Kirk could be out of Minnesota. And if, if that was going to actually, you know, prove to be true, he wouldn't have Justin Jefferson and he wouldn't have Adam Thielen. And, you know, he wouldn't have that pass happy coaching staff, but it's going to be much easier for the, the team to just see what they can get out of that relationship. So any thoughts on either of those two QBs or anybody else that you like as a value in the double digit rounds at quarterback, Dave? Well, just to comment on, on those guys, I like how you mentioned Trevor Lawrence. I think a player that's easy to forget about. But as we've mentioned, that situation that he found himself in this year is not one that I think you should be trying to carry forward. I think you need to give that year a pass. I like how you talk about the potential for rushing production. Um, I think it's easy to forget how good of a rusher Lawrence actually was oh, yeah. in school. I mean, I, he put up 18 rushing touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he had eight yeah. in his junior year, yeah. nine as a, as a sophomore in 2019. And almost went for a thousand yards in his career, you know, and that was on a team where he didn't actually have to do a lot of rushing, but he proved that he could do it when, when, you know, the team actually needed him to. So I like that. Yeah. Kirk Cousins, I love that pick. Always a guy that manages to come out really in any format, always manages to be a difference maker for teams. I was writing the quarterback streaming article this year for the site. And I was saying from very early on that Kirk Cousins was going to be the quarterback yeah. that could carry you through. And I'm not going to be surprised at all if we see Kirk Cousins again starting off this year as a player owned in less than 50% of leagues that ends up carrying teams on a weekly basis forward, especially if he stays in Minnesota with the cast that he has there, that relationship with Justin Jefferson, he's going to be fine. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. 
Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. All right. Glad, glad to get a little bit of confirmation on, uh, on those two targets because I'm heavy early. Going over to the running back uh, position, it's it's so fun how like the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yep. So we've come full circle now on Daryl Henderson, Dave. <laughs> he was he was a, a a late round target for the first two years of his career. Then we get you know a skyrocketing uh, ADP situation in the summer of twenty one after Cam Akers goes down. Uh, by that time, he was already a firm target on this podcast and was my uh, number one must own running back of the the draft season. Uh, last year before the injury even occurred. I'm finding myself at 55% early on Daryl Henderson again. And it's because he's been available in like the 13th and yes. 14th round of, of underdog drafts. And I don't, I mean, is, is any, Oh yeah. Uh, let me go ahead and show this comment. You're about, you're about right on that one. He is going to get some love in just a second. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> when, when we look at, when we look at the Rams, I mean, Cam Akers was putrid. Coming back from the end injury, uh, you know he had like a couple plays and a couple receptions in space where he looked like he had some of that trademark burst, but he was highly ineffective uh, throughout the end of the or throughout the playoffs there uh, and the Super Bowl run. I'm not sure why people think that it's just going to be the Cam Akers show without a second running back involved. And what you even saw in the final two games of the playoffs uh, was that yeah, or in the Super Bowl rather was that Daryl Henderson. Uh, was being used in the receiving packages. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not sure that, uh, you know, low end running back two with some spot starts in the event that Akers gets dinged up are outside the range of outcomes. And then yes, CS nerd 21 Rashad Penny is definitely going to get some love Rashad Penny. I I mean, he turned out to be uh, quite the asset in any format by the end of the year. It took a little bit of time to get him cooking, but if he stays in Seattle, they have a formula now that they know works uh, that can both help them win games and you know play the type of ball that Pete Carroll actually wants them to play, uh, riding the the very uh, ample shoulders of Rashad Penny to to victory. But he's going in the eighth or ninth round, Dave. He's going to be one of the top free agent targets in a weak running back class. Uh, he can either return to Seattle in a system that has figured out how to leverage him properly, but there's a couple, a couple other teams where I think he'd be a great fit. Miami would be a great fit, and Sean Siegel put him there in his free agent exercise. When you think about Mike McDaniel and the the the, the power kind of zone scheme running uh, attack that he's had with Shanahan dating back to Washington, can you imagine Penny in, in the type of role that Alfred Morris had back in Washington? or that any number of running backs has had in San Francisco in their time there together, that'd be really exciting. So yeah, Rashad Penny, my number two uh, running back exposure, and the last guy that I'll name at the, uh, in the fifth round. And you're going to see the exact same thing happen this year that we saw with Najee Harris last year. The rookies in these early best ball drafts uh, end up being big values if you get the right ones. And Brees Hall in the fifth round or the sixth round all day, every day, when he goes in the second round to a favorable uh, situation in May, I mean, he's going to end up being a top 36 draft pick for sure. And the same could be said of Kenneth Walker two rounds later or Isaiah Spiller in the same range. But I find myself 
uh, drawn to Brees Hall there. So, Dave, any thoughts on any of those running backs? Yeah, well, I mean, unsurprisingly, <laughs> in the limited best ball drafts that I've done this far, just about every player that you mentioned, well, actually, yeah, all three of them are players that are already finding ways onto my roster. I want to quickly talk, though, about the Daryl Henderson um, yeah. ADP. And I'm not sure if people think that Sony Michelle is still on this Rams roster. And that's a reason that his value is down. Come on. Because, I mean, (laughs) it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense, right? Like the Rams showed us that Henderson, they want him to have a role, Mm. right? Um, Even if Akers comes back, and this was the thing I was talking about heading into last year as to why I wasn't as high on Akers as other people were, and I took a lot of flack for it, was Daryl Henderson has been productive for the Rams. They've demonstrated that they want to have him on the field. And as a result of that, he's going to have a role. So when we see that ADP going down, I think that it's building in a lot of upside for Henderson. So I really like him. And the great part about it is on best ball teams where I've been looking to only have four or five running backs, knowing that he's going to be out there for that amount of time has given me a lot of leeway to structure my teams filling in quarterbacks, wide receivers and tight ends in slightly different ways. So I like that Brees Hall. I feel like there's been a pretty yeah. good price reduction getting into the uh, the question that we had earlier about what time of year is the best time to draft best ball teams. You can also look at it from the perspective of, do you shift the way that you build your best ball teams given where you are in the year? Right. And now is a great time if you're up on who those rookies are, if you're paying attention to what we expect for draft capital, you can get some really good values at running backs. So that's the other thing I would focus on. Some of those running backs that we've mentioned on the show that we like have very low ADPs. So you can start to get your exposure to those players, maybe even come up over where you want to be at the end of the year, knowing that after we see the draft, after people start building out their teams, those things are going to fluctuate. And then you can back off of those guys and kind of rotate the players you're going at. So I I like all of those notes. Yeah. And man, uh, the chat is on fire tonight uh, between Jose and and CS Nerd. Just (laughs) so many great uh, comments. Uh, going back to CS Nerd, opportunity cost for drafting Brees in that round is tough for me in rounds five or six. He's referring to my comments earlier. Need those wide receivers. Now, typically we would call this maybe the dead zone for running backs, but what you actually end up with yes. when you're drafting this early is you actually end up with a discount hero RB potentially um, or an opportunity to get into a, a hyper fragile uh, situation without going running back in the first round or two. So, so you get Brees Hall as your running back one in a, you know, in a pseudo, I guess a late zero RB structure or hero RB structure where you've taken an elite tight end and a couple elite receivers first. That's the context where I've been drafting him. He's never been like my RB three there. He's only ever been my RB two, RB one. Um, but ADP is so spotty and, uh, so widely dispersed, uh, this early in draft season that I find you can still get your, your wide receiver targets where you want. Speaking of wide receivers, I want to go to that position yep. uh, here. we got two more to cover just in terms of targets. I think this year's... Now, I'll qualify this. I don't think that wide receiver one overall is within range of outcomes, but I think the value in round four or round five of drafts this year at the wide receiver position is going to be DJ Moore. Yep. And DJ Moore, it's kind of crazy Like just looking at how he stands up in NFL history among wide receivers age 21 through 24 since 2000 DJ Moore ranks fifth in total receptions 
fourth in total receiving yards. And he's played three of his four seasons with Kyle Allen, Teddy Bridgewater, and Sam Darnold, a quarterback. Okay. Yeah. So um, we have not seen anything close to ceiling for, for DJ Moore yet. Uh, in, in the words of Dennis Reynolds from it's always sunny. Uh, he's not even begun to peak. Okay. He's not even, he's not even begun to peak. Oh my and, God. You know, we, we've got 10 target per game upside for DJ Moore, and they're going to improve the quarterback situation some way. They're either going to get, you know, take a shot on one of the dynamic rookies or, or even more likely, you know, potentially bring in a free agent or, or trade for somebody there's no way they're going through this entire season with with a combination of Sam Darnold and PJ Walker again. So really like DJ Moore's value there. Uh, certainly has a top 10 wide receiver usage uh, assigned to him pretty much no matter what. But we could you know see a, a mid wide receiver one return for a, you know a wide receiver two price there. And then going into a couple of other values a little bit further down the board. Now I talked about Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. A frequent stack that I'm finding myself on for very, very cheap is Trevor Lawrence with LaVisca Chanel. Again, different coaching staff. We've now seen a team utilize a player with Chenault's skill set. Chenault, if there is another player that could be utilized in a manner similar to Debo Samuel without (laughs) actually being as good as Debo Samuel, if the only player anyone should be talking about in that type of deployment is LaVisca Chenault. I don't want to hear about any of these other scat back type players. Chenault is literally built like a running back. I mean, he's, he's even, you know, he's like Debo, except even bigger. Um, And so, you know, we've seen a couple situations where, you know, he's underperformed. He was highly inefficient from uh, 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 fantasy points uh, over expectation perspective this past season. But we did see, uh, we did see more targets for him. He had a zero touchdown season, which means he's certainly due for you know regression uh, in that category there. And then his catchable uh, catchable ball rate, uh, basically his conversion rate, uh, was down by ten percent. So if you even just you know give him the average between his first season and his second season there, uh, give him five or six touchdowns on his hundred targets. I mean, all of a sudden he's in the the team picture with one hundred and eighty to two hundred PPR like very quickly. And he only had 11 carries. I mean, I would smash probably triple 11 carries. I'd be really shocked if he doesn't get 30 plus carries next season. Um, so really on LaVisca Chenault there. And then late single digit round player that I think has a lot of upside. Again, another coaching change, uh, but a coach who has really gotten a lot out of the wide receiver core and quarterback anywhere he's been in the past half dozen years or so. It's Kadarius Tony with the New York Giants. So Brian Dayball comes over, quarterback whisperer, Brian Dayball. Tony is going to show up in my uh, in my wide receiver targets article later this week. So this is a preview. He was the most evasive player in football last year, by far, not even close. His evasion rate, one of our advanced stats, 44%. On 44% of touches, he either broke a tackle or made someone miss a tackle. Just insane. He's He's going to be fed the ball like crazy in 2022 uh, just need to see the health there, Dave. So any of those uh, wide receivers between DJ Moore, LaVisca Chenault or Kadarius Tony stand out? Well, I mean, I've always loved DJ Moore, but I want to talk about Visca because I remember when we were talking mm-hmm. last week, I may have said that from a dynasty perspective, I wasn't yes. as high on Visca as I might've been on other players. Having said yeah. that on my best ball teams this year, I have a ton of Visca because of the price 
uh, and because of the potential of what they could do with him. So I want to highlight one thing when you were talking about him and potential usage as a running back. If you go into the prospect workout explorer and you pull up LaVisca Chanel and you comp him with every position, so not only with wide receiver, you're going to see fun. that you get guys like Quadri Allison right off the bat, uh, Lamar Gordon, Larry Johnson, Le'Veon Bell, Anthony Thomas, Sean oh Bryson, Anthony Allen, oh my a ton of running backs, <laughs> right? So the profile oh, wow. does speak to him looking like more of a running back than a wide receiver, especially given that body structure only participated in the 40. So there's not a ton of data to look at to build those comps. But yeah, there's a lot to say there. And with the ADP where it is with the changes that we could see in Jacksonville, I think that you've now reached a point where I have that appetite to go after him. One other name I want to float at a wide receiver, because I think that this time of year, you can get players that are free agents at positions for potentially much cheaper than you would later on in the year if they land in a good spot. So I would pay attention if I was doing a lot of best ball teams to guys like Chris Godwin, who's going to be a free agent, and see in certain drafts if they start to slip, maybe that's the time when you take them. Because if he lands in the right spot, we could see that ADP skyrocket back upward. A player that has been good last year has been really good and should continue to be good. So he's another player that I have a name on. Which brings me to the idea, too, of don't be afraid to go out, get a list of all of the free agents, identify some yeah. guys that you would be interested in regardless of landing spot, and focus on getting them now. Yeah, God, Godwin's an interesting name. It's been tough for me. I actually have, I'm pretty sure, zero yep. uh, through 35 just because of the ACL um, and not having any clarity around the timing on that. But right. I, that's just a risk I'm willing to take. But he would obviously... I mean, there's so many situations where he could be, you know, a big time smash. You just haven't seen, you just haven't seen the type of discount you would expect for somebody with an ACL where right. some things could go wrong. Um, but I totally agree on the on the free agent note. Um, Juju is amongst my top yep. seven exposures uh, early on, um, and it would probably be the the leader in the clubhouse there. And then also players that could potentially benefit from outgoing free agents. So Van Jefferson is a, a large exposure in the double digit rounds with now OBJ potentially may not have been back. That was the initial play. Uh, but now, you know, you know, he really probably will not be back, you know, due to injury, even if the Rams were to resign him. And then another discount, um, a player who shouldn't no longer be injured and, and maybe a little bit of an easier bet from an injury perspective than Chris Godwin. But, um, you know, maybe there's other aversions to drafting him would be Michael Thomas. Um, so, so that's, that's another player that's among my top 10 at the wide receiver, just quickly hitting tight end. You know, that at team Rotoviz, we are all about them elite wide receivers or elite tight ends rather. And that is where I'm really focusing again this year. Mark Andrews was my big exposure last season, followed by Darren Waller. Unsurprisingly, I'm back in on Darren Waller again this year. He's my number three tight end exposure through those 35 drafts. And, you know, with Josh McDaniel going over to, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, all the success that he had over the years in New England with various tight ends. It's not just, you know, back in the day uh, with Gronk and company. You know, we, we've seen him now uh, lead a team with, with Hunter Henry even um, to, to big time success. And, and Waller is that type of athlete that's a difference maker. They still don't have an elite perimeter wide receiver weapon. They could address that. But I, you know, I think Waller's the early favorite to lead the team in targets, assuming health. My number one exposure is a player I, I drafted basically zero of in 2021, um, but it's Kyle Pitts. 
And Kyle Pitts, I think, you know, has now shown us that he can perform at the level. He had bad a bad run of luck with tight air with uh, touchdowns, and I think that that will correct itself. And the Falcons will either get Calvin Ridley back or invest at wide receiver, and that'll lead to a situation where you know Pitts can't necessarily be uh, bullied by opposing defenses, and that's just going to make you know Matt Ryan rain targets on him. The other names that I will I will share because Dave noted smartly. From the 2021 player win rate exercise that we went through at the top of the podcast, a lot of the high end win rate players were these cheap to free tight ends like Dalton Schultz, like Dawson Knox last year. And so I'm back in a little bit on Rob Gronkowski. I'm very intrigued by the the tweets and the social posts that he's put out there on would be fun to play with Joe Burrow. Um, the, I, I find it highly interesting that Gronk has not retired yet. I, I, you know, I thought that he would retire almost immediately after Tom Brady retired. The thought of of Gronk basically cherry picking his, you know, presumed favorite Super Bowl team, yep. and and going and and basically running back the production from 2021 again at a very steep discount because of the retirement speculation is is highly intriguing. So I'm 25 percent exposed there, uh, and then a name that's totally off the grid, but was sneaky good every time he was actually healthy. After his trade from Carolina, it's yet another Jaguar, Dave. Dan Arnold. Dan Arnold. I was going to say that, that one. You yeah. took mine. <laughs> there you go. Uh, he, he's, he's available in the, in the last three rounds uh, on underdog. You're going to pay a premium on FFPC when I've selected him there. You're, you're typically spending something in the, the range of a 13th or 14th round pick because tight ends just get driven up the board due to the premium there. Uh, but he can easily be drafted as your tight end three. I think he's going to provide a lot of value. Doug Peterson has always propped up two tight ends in his offenses, and Arnold has almost no blocking utility. Uh, so he's really probably going to find himself in a big slot role. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, and it's somewhere out there, our boy Zach Kruger is smiling as he hears Dawson Knox. Uh, no, sorry, not Dawson Knox. <laughs> Dawson Knox is my boy. Uh, yeah. As he hears Dan Arnold get mentioned because he was a player he was talking to me about all summer. Um, awesome. So I'm on board with that. Uh, yeah, when I'm looking, at, I was actually just up um, in an underdog draft and was looking at my board, popped over to tight end, and I saw Dan Arnold a little bit down the list and that allowed me to forego tight end at that point. So I'm pretty excited about him too. I think we covered a lot of ground here though. We're definitely oh, going to yeah. come back to oh. more best ball stuff. Of course, there's going to be the best ball show. We have a ton of coverage on the subject at Rotoviz because we have so many powerful oh. tools for this stuff that are starting to come online, having been updated. Uh, as you mentioned before, to really bring home some of the things that we focused on earlier, we'll have to do an episode where we break down more of the results from the roster construction explorer oh, yeah. because it's really about bringing back that framework that you operate in as you're building out your best ball portfolio and then incorporating the right type of players in there. So there's a couple steps of the process that we will work our way through. Uh, but good episode, Curtis. Any um, Anything else that you wanted to note before we shut down? Yes. Um, it's going to be appointment viewing the rest of the week. Uh, tomorrow, or tomorrow night, we'll be back. Thursday, we're going to be uh, joined by none other than the godfather himself, Ryan McDowell of Dynasty League Football fame. And our, our Dynasty checkup, uh, I actually left that up as our background tonight. I just now realized that's a major <laughs> major programming fail on my part uh, there. Oh, it's a tease. It's a tease. There. It's a yeah, tease. It's, it's a tease for Thursday. Thanks yeah. for the, the save there. Yep. Um, we're going to do a Dynasty checkup episode. I was telling Ryan about this. And 
So Ryan and I are actually going to diagnose each other's rosters. It's going to be really cool. So you're going to be able to see uh, one of Ryan's rosters. Dave and I will give him some pointers on what we think maybe he could do to, to get ready for the offseason. Ryan, Ryan will offer some advice uh, in my direction for one of my orphans uh, that I just adopted. Uh, we'll see what his thoughts are there. So if you really like kind of the hands-on practical uh, opportunity to take away something from some of the smartest guys in the industry, we will be cutting up some Dynasty Thursday night. Can't, can, I cannot wait for that, especially since we've done my team. I'm now looking forward to uh, yeah. putting you on that chopping block and seeing what we can come up with. Thank you for listening to the RotoViz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.